0: So tonight we are going through the book of Revelation verse by verse. We continue. This is uh part nine. We're going over the seven churches uh, of uh Asia Minor. Uh how many know our 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 world is changing and it's changing rapidly and and uh every generation since uh Jesus was raised from the dead and the church age began have believed that they are the people group that will actually see the return of Christ and uh, you know that produces purity in us but uh, unlike other generations we have some uncanny things occurring today and uh, things that uh, Jesus spoke about that would be happening just prior to his return so uh, like other generations we have uh, a firm belief that we could be that generation that sees Jesus come back. And uh, I want you to be informed as to what the scriptures have to say about uh, Jesus' second coming and and, uh, and what we should do as we prepare for him coming back, both in the rapture of the church, the second coming of Christ, and uh, just knowing what the world is going to be like. It's, uh, God has graced us by giving us the book of Revelation that gives us a view of the future and what Uh, The world will be like and what we will experience and have to face as Christians as we approach uh, the season of the second coming of Christ. So uh, we're currently again looking at Jesus' message to the seven churches in Asia Minor. Asia Minor is the biblical name for modern day Turkey, ancient Anatolia in the history books. So uh, again, uh, the apostle John, the aged apostle John, he was an elderly man. And he had been exiled here uh, to the penal colony of Patmos uh, in the Aegean Sea by the uh, Roman Emperor Domitian because of his Christian faith. And while he was there, Jesus appeared to him and revealed to John what was happening in the seven churches in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and revealed to him what would be happening uh, in his second coming. Let me just say about this, regardless of where where you find yourself in life— God knows where you are, and He knows how to touch you. You may be in a, a terrible situation. You, you may think in your life. you may feel exiled like like John was on the Isle of Patmos, but you know what? The Lord knew where He was and, and, and God uh, supernaturally spoke to John on, on that on that remote island and you know what I believe we 're living in a day that, that you know God knows how to speak to us in the remote situations that life brings to us today it's a, it's an amazing thing here that god spoke to him uh also uh jesus knew here's another thing to think about jesus knew the conditions of the churches in asia minor uh and uh and 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 spoke to them about their conditions and challenged them to make the changes that that they needed to make to be the best that he wanted them to be so 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 again jesus uh uh, wrote uh, letters to each one of these seven churches. And um, it's really the only time, I've mentioned this before, the only time in the Bible Jesus spoke directly to the churches and uh, had his words printed for us in the rest of the church age. So even though this was 2,000 years ago, the the things that these churches in Asia Minor were experiencing are things that we also experience today. So we've gone, we've gone through, I think, uh, uh, five of these uh, several i think at least five of these churches we mentioned uh, Jesus mentioned the Church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter two and to the Church of es- Ephesus he mentioned come back to their first love and he was appealing to the heart affection uh, of the believers there in ephesus and, uh, and, and and he encourages us today just the same to, to be careful that we Keep our focus on him and don't get distracted by, the, by all the, the, the cares of life and all of the busy things that, that, that we have to do in life. You know, you can be busy for God and yet your heart. Becomes uh, distant from him, and and the admonition to us, as it was to the church in Ephesus, is to keep our hearts stable. And then Jesus uh, gave a message to the church in Smyrna that persecution is part of the normal Christian life. We talked about that, and that we should not let up our convictions. When the pressures to compromise come, and those pressures come to all of us, and we 're living in a compromising age and god says don 't compromise and then we talked about the church in Pergamon again, that was another compromising church, and the church in America today is is so challenged with Compromise. Jesus is asking us to be salt. He's asking us to be light in the darkness, and refuse to compromise our standards as believers just because our culture is changing. And uh, you know, these churches show us the challenges again that we face just before the return of Christ. So, so just some encouragement. You know, the spirit of Antichrist. John said, first century is already at work in the world, and it's it's working now to, to what does it do? It desensitizes people to spiritual values. So let me share this, anything that leads you to lessen your time in the word, lessen your time in prayer, to lessen your commitments to your local church, to loosen your morals, to be deceitful, to be harsh with other people, to live in any way, um, uh, in an immoral way, uh, to, to view porn, to, to uh, engage in sex outside of marriage, to be involved in adultery, homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism. All of that, friends, my friends, it is promoted by demon spirits. And even though it may be surrounding us in our culture, God is asking us to, to stay away from those things. And, and again, these things have been creeping along in our culture and rising up, for years, but but here recently they've take, taken a. Uh, there's been a catastrophic uptick in in the in the downward morals and values in America and really worldwide. And so we are again encouraged uh, by the Lord Jesus. Don't compromise just because our culture is compromising. Um, uh, and then uh, we talked about the the church in Thyatira that was. The corrupt church, and just like the compromising church, the church in Thyatira was corrupted by the culture around them. And, you know, it's important that we don't allow the morals and the ideas of our culture to deafen us today to the voice of God through His Word. Listen, just because the majority of our culture... Uh, says that something's okay doesn't mean that it's okay. And just because our friends and the people around us and the people that we work with are involved in certain kinds of things don't mean that we should be involved in them. You know, we are lights in the darkness. We are an oasis in the desert. God has called us to be salt and light, and he's called us to separate ourselves from these kinds of things. And that's what he was challenging the church of Thyatira with. Jesus was, God said, be holy God said, be pure in the midst of a pagan culture. God said, separate yourself, and he's saying that, that uh, to us today. So he's encouraging us not to allow today's culture to deaden us to God. Today, we're going to haunt in, and, and here's another church that we want to look at, Revelation chapter 3. You may want to turn there. Today, we're going to look at the Sardis church, and the Sardis church could, uh, could be viewed as the dead church. So let's just read the first six verses here. We'll come back and we will uh, make some comment. Revelation chapter 3. This is New King James verses 1 through 6. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things says, he who has the seven spirits of God and to the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you're alive but you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things, he says, which remain, that are ready to die. For I've not found your works Perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, uh, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot his name. From the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So here again, Jesus is addressing here in Revelation 3, the church in Sardis historically. Uh, And some people, you know, view these seven churches as seven different periods of time over the last 2,000 years of the church age. Those that believe that way, uh, the Sardis church would fit the time period from about 1500 AD until about 750 AD. And this is the period of the reformers beginning with Martin Luther. You remember that Martin Luther changed history in 1517 when he protest, protested against the Catholic doctrine with his 95 theses that were nailed to the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. His act of faith was a defiance against the spiritual norms and caused a huge response that we know in history as the Protestant Reformation and it totally changed the church world. There were three mottos from that period uh that changed the church and the first one is sola scriptura which is which really means the scriptures alone they believe that the bible was the word of god and we should adhere steadfastly to the word uh, another motto was sola gracia that is grace alone we're not saved we're not saved by what we do we're saved by what we believe we're saved by by grace through faith and then sola fide faith alone and again, it's not, it's not our works. It's not by works of righteousness we have done, but by his mercy he has saved us. And so again, they had those mottos, but still deadness remained a problem for the church within the Catholic faith during that time. The city of Sardis, let's go back to that now. The city of Sardis was actually located about 30 miles southeast of Thyatira and uh, was on a well-used trade route. In fact, many of these churches in uh in uh, Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, would, uh, we're actually on a postal route, and uh, it could be very easily that, that uh, the Apostle John oversaw these churches, and hence Jesus had something to say to him about all of these uh, churches. Sardis was a wealthy city and was abundant with industry, jewelry, dye, uh, textiles, so so it was a, a very wealthy city because of that. It was also a center of pagan worship. The temple of Artemis was there, and uh, Artemis and most of these false gods were in, in antiquity were worshipped through illicit sex, and often they would have uh, have priestesses of that particular pagan religion in a temple, and and men would come and have orgies with these uh, with these hired. Uh, prostitutes in in a, in a pagan temple, and that was certainly the case in Sardis. Uh, this church didn't have a problem with emperor worship, as some of the other churches did, or with Jews persecuting the church, or we even with the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Uh, no, it was it was, a, it was a, wasn't a religious town. It was a it was a secular town, and and it was a, a pagan city, and it was established in its pagan ways. And that paganism got into this church. And and Jesus had something to say to the church in Sardis. So let's go back to verse 1. Let's look at it a little bit verse by verse. Uh, So again, uh, Revelation 3, 1. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive. But, he says, you are dead," dead. So again, he emphasizes here again the seven spirits of God that was also mentioned in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. That, uh, that number seven refers to perfection. And it refers to completeness. So again, what is it saying there? The Holy Spirit is the sum total of what we need to flesh out our walk with God. Once we get in the Word, it's the Holy Spirit that causes us to put shoe leather on the Word of God and walk with our Father God. Uh, 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 it is believed that very few in Sardis were actually born again. They were religious people. They had a religion uh, based on works, but not a heartfelt relationship based on, based on faith. Again, uh, the Bible says, in fact, the apostle Paul said in Philippians that we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling or, or in reverence to God, uh, but that our works do not save us. Our works show us what we believe. And of course, you know, James, the half-brother of Jesus and James 2, he said, faith without works is dead, being alone. But they had their works misplaced, and instead of trusting God for salvation by faith, they were trusting that their good works would uh, save them. And, and that's what a lot of people do, and they've done all through history, thinking that, that what they do can replace a relationship with the Lord. My friend, your works, God wants us to have good works. God wants us to help people. But you know what? He wants us, first of all, to have a relationship with Him. And out of that relationship and out of that fellowship with Him, we can minister life to others in whatever situation uh, they find themselves in. Then He says in verse 2 be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, they are that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have uh, what, how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. So again, he says, Be watchful, and he says, Strengthen the things which remain. Now, Sardis, this is very interesting. Sardis was built on a very large, steep hill, about 1,500 feet above the floor of the valley where it was there. And Sardis, the city, was not accessible on three sides. There were just one way in and there was one way out. So so that, that fourth side, the entrance, it was easy to defend. Twice in history, historians say the uh, the city of Sardis was overrun by their enemy. First of all, in 218 B.C. by the Romans and then earlier, a long time before that, in 549 B.C. by the Persians. And the reason that they were overrun both of those times, even though they had one side of the city to defend, was that they lost their watchfulness. They got slack. You know, that's what happens to us in our walk with God. The moment that we think that we're secure, the Apostle Paul said, let him that stands take heed lest he fall. And so, you know, we should never take for granted that all is well and that we don't need to fight the good fight of faith and we don't need to really watch ourselves. And the Bible's over and over again in the New Testament admonishes us to watch ourselves, keep up with our spiritual life, keep ourselves stirred up. And again, Jesus said to the church in Sardis, be watchful. And again, Jesus mentioned watchfulness in Matthew 24 as one of the key components that the church should have just before he comes back. And he's encouraging these believers in in, uh, uh, Sardis to be ready for his return and uh, to be watchful. Then verse 4, he says, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Then verse 5, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear uh, what the Spirit says uh, to the churches. So again, he says, um, there are a few people in in, uh, Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and he says they 'll walk with me, in white they 're worthy. Uh, another thing about Sardis that was well known uh, for its wool industry and its uh, clothing dye industry so So when Jesus uh, uh, says to them that they had not defiled their garments, their white garments, then it was well understood because uh, that was what that city was all about and then and then jesus said um, uh, he would not blot their name out of the book of life. Now, um, you know, names being blotted out of the book of life, we need to understand that. Understand that, you know, just because you commit a sin, it doesn't mean that your name is blotted out uh, of the book of life. In fact, in fact, listen to this. Uh, it seems as though in Scripture, and we'll look at this in a second here, that, that every human being at birth, Once they're born, their name is recorded in the book of life. Now think of that. Every human being's name is recorded. Think about it now, what I'm saying. Uh, In the book of life at birth. That means means the trajectory is is heaven. But here's the skinny. If you die without the blood of Jesus cleansing you. And you know what happens to that, that name? It's blotted out. Everybody's got it in there, but God has to blot out the names of those who died without Christ. It's appointed unto man, Hebrews 9 says. It's under, appointed unto man once to die, and after that judgment, if we die without Christ, that there is no chance. There are, uh, there are elements of faith. In fact, uh, the, 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 the Catholic Church, some people believe that you can, you can do penance. You can pay for someone to Go to a place called purgatory and be prayed out of purgatory into heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. If you don't make Jesus Lord today, before you before you uh, breathe your last breath, before your heart beats its last beat, the Bible says you have no chance of salvation. And, and here, uh, Jesus mentioned that their names not be blotted out of the book of life. Listen to Exodus 32, uh, verse 32 and 33 uh, it says, yet now, if you will forgive their sin, this is Moses pleading on behalf of the Israelites when he came down from the top of Mount Sinai and saw them with the golden calf worshiping it. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, he appealed, Moses appeals to God. But if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. So again, the idea is you're born, your name is in it. But if we don't make Jesus, Lord, the name is blotted out uh, when we die, if we haven't made him. Uh, Lord, Revelation 20, verse 15. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Again, to get into heaven, there's one book that our name must be in. And all of us want to make sure that our name is in this book, and it's called the book of life. Revelation 21, 27. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter nor anyone who practice shameful idolatry and dishonesty. And this is Revelation 21 speaking of heaven or, or actually in the, the new, new Jerusalem. Uh, anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those who name, whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, uh, uh, even those that are most unfaithful to God in the church, uh, they are known by him and this message of jesus to the sardis church is to make sure that you have a current relationship with with jesus based on salvation by grace through faith not not don't don't base your salvation on what you do, what what you do a lot of people again let me mention it i've mentioned this so many times there's so many people who who had just have the wrong idea that that if if i live a good life i'm a clean person i'm nice to others i you know do things for other people i give money to certain causes to help my community or, or i participate in things in my community that help uh, my neighbors and and help make our community better well certainly god will god will will put that to my account and my credit and certainly god won't allow me to go to a place called hell because i'm a good person and my and my works show it and friends nothing could be further th- from the truth it's not what we do that makes us right with God it's who we know and that his name is Jesus and when you know Jesus as your savior from sin and you put your faith in him then you know what it does it literally changes us on the inside and friend when we are changed on the inside it affects how we live every day it affects how we think it affects what we say, it affects how we relate to people around us. It affects how we view life literally. salvation affects every single part of us. so you know the Bible is clear that if you are saved by fakes, the works will follow, but the works don 't save you. they just are the after effect of that salvation experience and of that the holy spirit of the Holy Spirit coming and living inside of us right so so you know these uh, these guys in Sardis just kind of had it backwards. They, they were looking for what they, they did to make them right with God. No, we get right with God, then, then it changes us, changes how we live our life. There's a real push today in the church uh, to get involved in humanitarian efforts and communities all over the world. And, and then I think that's a great thing. But, you know, again, these kinds of things should not take precedence over our personal, growing, heartfelt Walk with God, and that was jesus admonition to the Church in Sardis, and again, Jesus would really challenge us today yes listen it 's such a pressurized day it 's like we 're in a pressure cooker, like in an <laughs> instant pot, and and the pressure around us, the world. Pressure's increasing, boy, I mean it's a it's a real day to walk with God and have a heartfelt relationship with him I don't know about you, but that's the only way that I can deal with the pressures I face on a daily basis and you know when you when you get into fellowship with the Lord it, it affects you know it affects your it affects your attitude it it affects your demeanor, it affects what you think about yourself uh, it affects how you treat others it, it affects everything about you it affects how you spend your time so again. Don't get the cart before the horse. And that's what the church in Sardis did. They, they, they thought that their works would get them into heaven. No, 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 no. Only, only grace through faith can do that. Faith in Jesus Christ. And then, and then once you know Jesus, he changes who we are inside. And, and then the works follow us. And so, and so let's, let's go back to the next one. There's, there's another church here that Jesus mentions in Revelation 3 beginning with verse 7. And it's the church of Philadelphia. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, verse 7, Revelation 3, write, these things says, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the sure key of David, he who, who, who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Now, the Philadelphian church is known as the faithful church. Uh, and, you know, again, those that follow church history and say that these there are those that uh, say that these seven churches are uh, 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 fit a pattern of uh, a sequential pattern of uh, of the history of the church through the last uh, 2,000 years, and so those that believe that say that the Philadelphia Church corresponds with the church period from the from 750, 1750 A.D. till about 1950, and during this 200 year period, there are those that believe that the Philadelphia Church um, uh, fit this period. And and during this two hundred year period, faithful men like uh, uh, like William Carey, uh, John and Charles Wesley, George Whitfield, uh, Charles Finney, Dwight Moody, Billy Sunday, etc. These men of God, tremendous men of God, we still read their writings today, and and they've had a huge influence on the Church of of, of Jesus in our in our current time. But this was uh, they say that this corresponds with this uh, this this Philadelphia Church. The faithful church, unlike other churches, Jesus had no corrections for the church in Philadelphia. They, they were they were doing things well. Again, let me read verse seven again to the church in Philadelphia. Write these things, says he who is holy, he who is true, he who is sh- he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. Uh, historians tell us the. Uh, uh, that, that uh, uh, Philadelphia was founded in 140 B.C. And and the word Philadelphia, it means one who loves his brother. We have Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, another city by that name, the city of brotherly love. Uh, this uh, city of Philadelphia in modern-day Turkey uh, is is the modern-day Alashir, uh, Turkey. And uh, again, Jesus reminds them that he is holy that he's true, that he is the promised seed of David, he's heir to the throne of David, and that one day he's going uh, to establish his kingdom on earth. Verse 8, he says, I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Name, you know, you may be going through life, and you may feel like uh, just God is utterly forsaken you, forgotten you. All of us have these silent periods in our life as believers. And, and you know, I think sometimes those are, are, are tests of our walk with God, tests uh, of our experience with God. Uh, let me just tell you something about the Lord while I'm on this vein. You know, um, there's just something about the Lord. We all love to feel the presence of God. I know we have tremendous Praise and worship, just like we had, had tonight here at Victory Church. We have, we have tremendous praise and worship. And, uh, and you know, we, we love to get in there and feel the presence of God. I do. We like to experience God. And so that experiential experience of God where we feel Him, we all, we all want that. But, you know, sometimes you can put so much dependence on that, that that you forget that the number one thing God's looking for is our faith and our confidence in Him. And if you put too much... Confidence. If you put too much confidence in in the uh, experiential side of feeling the presence of God, sometimes God will withdraw it on purpose, just just so we know that we must walk by faith and not by sight. You know Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe He is, and there's a rewarder of those that 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 diligently seek Him. He said, "I know your work, so." You know, sometimes you may have a dry period. Just know that God knows you. He knows your works. Sometimes you not, may not feel Him, but thank God, thank God. He knows us. Then He said, I set, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. Let me just say this. Is when, it, when it comes to fruitful life and fruitful ministry, it, we can't open doors of ministry for ourselves. It, it's the Lord. It's the Lord that has to open up the things that he has for every life and if we'll persevere in the word if we'll be diligent to study the word of God if we'll be diligent to have a personal time with the Lord have a personal prayer life see Jesus is the one that opens up the doors of ministry for us and and uh, and so we need to know that he said that here Uh, to the church in philadelphia he says that to us again today verse 9 he says indeed i will make those of the synagogue of satan who say they are jews and are not but lie indeed i will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that i have loved you the religious jews of the day were persecuting the church in in philadelphia and he said even if you're persecuted you know, I'm, I, here's what I'm going to do. You know, the book of Proverbs says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes uh, e- even his enemies to be at peace with him. It's just an amazing thing that if you'll walk with God, even those that oppose you, sometimes the opposition grows the more strongly we walk with God. You may have, well, listen to this, you may have a person in your home, maybe that's a religious person. It was the religious people uh, here in Philadelphia that was persecuting the church. And, and you know what I found? Uh, sometimes, if you have a friend or a family member, a brother, sister, father, mother that is persecuting your walk with God, uh, the, the, the more uh, the, the more conviction grows in their life. You know what? You know what? Uh, often, the greater they persecute you, uh, the uh, you know the, the challenges come because of the conviction that's rising up. So, if you're praying, you know, for a, for a husband, a wife who doesn't know the Lord, or maybe it's a grown child that doesn't know the Lord, or you're praying for a family member. A distant family member, or even a friend that doesn't know the Lord, and you're in contact with them on a regular basis. Don't don't think it's unusual if they take a twist and they they get upset with you and persecute you and and say things to sort of chide you. Sometimes that's a telltale sign that that God is dealing with that person. So you know, I encourage you don't take these things personally when you're persecuted you know here's you know look at it this way if you're persecuted it it may be a telltale sign you're making the devil upset and use he's using people that know him or aligned with him or he'll just use any tom dick or harry so to speak to persecute you and so sometimes uh you know persecution all that live godly in christ jesus paul told timothy will suffer persecution and sometimes again that persecution is a sign that Hey, I'm doing something right. So, you know, the, uh, 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 the church in Philadelphia, they didn't let the persecution get under their skin, and we shouldn't either. God opens the doors for ministry. Verse 10, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell Now, Jesus is saying here that because they have been faithful during the great tribulation, uh, he will keep them from the hour of trial or from the day of the Lord wrath of God that is coming. Now, I need to say this right here. A lot of of people, and there are a lot of different views of the book of Revelation. My view of the book of Revelation is that I do not believe that we're going to experience a pre- tribulation time rapture. Those that espouse, and I did for 25 years and preached it, as I've said, for 25 years. But those that believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, uh, they, they, they believe that because they believe that whole period is, is the hour of trial. And they call that whole period the wrath of God. And because they call the whole seven-year period that God revealed to Daniel the wrath of God then they think that we're immune from the wrath of God. Hence, we won't be here during that seven-year period. So the idea is, well, since that's the case, then prior to that seven years beginning and prior to the Antichrist revealing himself, then the church is going to be taken away. And that's the pre-tribulation position of those that believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. I've changed my views on that Uh, some years ago as I began to study uh, the Word of God. uh, I don't believe that now. I do believe that as the Bible speaks very clearly, and all through the church age, listen, all through the church age, and we've mentioned that, all through the church age, uh, the early church fathers believed that we would see, the believers, the church in the day that Jesus returns, would see the rise of the Antichrist, would be persecuted by the Antichrist. uh, As we go through the book of Revelation, some of these things, I'll say them over and over and over and over again, but again, That entire seven-year period is not the wrath of God. No, the beginning of that uh, uh, seven-year period that we call typically call tribulation, you know, that's the wrath of man, the wrath of the Antichrist. There is not one scripture that says we are immune from the wrath of man or from persecution. No, the the, uh, Antichrist, uh, in an increasing way, when he reveals himself in the Middle East, he'll begin to persecute slowly, Begin, uh, begin he, uh, to start with, he'll be a man of peace. He'll be smiling at all of us, and then, and then he'll begin to take a slow turn, and he'll begin to persecute Jews there in the Middle East. Begin to persecute Israel, which he fostered a relationship with through a treaty of some kind, and then, uh, and, then and then after he becomes increasingly hostile to Jews there in the Middle East, he'll begin to be hostile to Christians. In fact, uh, three and a half years into his reign, uh, he's going to. Uh, He's going to corrupt the rebuilt Jewish temple, desecrate it the way that Antiochus Epiphanes did in 168 BC uh, in in history with the Jews. And uh, the Antichrist is going to do that again. And then right after that, Jesus said, and that's what Jesus termed in Matthew chapter 24, uh, the great tribulation. And I think it started with verse 21. He said, for this is great tribulation. And that is when the Antichrist turns up the persecution of both Jews and Christians. Now, I believe we're going to be here during that time. We need to be aware that we're here during that time. But right after that time, uh, verses 29 through 31, Matthew 24, Jesus said, the sun, the moon, the stars are darkened. There are cosmic disturbances that let us know that Jesus is about to come back and and, and, and when Jesus comes back, after Jesus comes back and the rapture of the church, takes the church off of the earth, the Bible is very clear that there is a, a, another era of that time in their seven, that seven-year period called the day of the Lord. It's at the very end of that seven-year period. And that day of the Lord is a time of challenge. It's a time of, uh, it's a really the time of the wrath of God. So, so, so again, see, uh, Jesus said, because I've, Uh, you have kept my command to persevere. I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which will come upon the whole world. That hour of trial, I believe he's talking about the day of the Lord, wrath of God. You could also easily, just as easily as the pre-tribulation people can relate it to the seven years just as easily you could relate that phrase hour of trial to the day of the Lord. That will be a, uh, that will be an unparalleled time of severe, severe turning of nature against the entire populace of the world. And, and that's called the wrath of God. Now, thank God we are immune as believers from the wrath of God. Jesus incurred the wrath of God for us, First Thessalonians 5, 9, Romans 5, 9. God's not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain mercy. By our Lord Jesus Christ, that whether we awake or sleep, we should live together with Him. And so again, and so again, uh, uh, Jesus says here, uh, because you've per- because you persevere, He said, "I'll keep you from that that hour of trial." That could easily again refer to that day of the Lord time, the very last part of that seven year period. It really starts in Revelation chapter uh, Revelation chapter eight with the breaking of the seventh seal. We'll get into it in a few lessons later but that that begins it begins a cataclysmic time uh not to be paralleled of any time in human history and it's called the wrath of god when god cleanses the earth of all the sinful components and so again um uh, jesus says to them because you have kept my command to persevere i will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth then we'll some will end this this uh This uh, uh, message tonight, verses 11, 12, and 13. Behold, I am coming quickly, Jesus said. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Verse 12, he who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. But I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. That's t- signifying ownership. God owns us as believers. He, we are his and he is ours. Then he says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so God wants us to be faithful, just like the church in, in, uh, in Philadelphia was faithful. God wants us to pursue him. God wants us to remain pure. He wants us to remain undefiled. And, and, and uh, even if we're going through a tough time, he wants us to know that He knows our name and that we're going to be okay. And I want to encourage you as you walk with God. I want to encourage you just as, uh, just as the people in the church in Philadelphia remain faithful. Remain, it's not always easy to walk with God. You know, some people have the idea when I was a young teenager, 18 years old, almost 18, when I came to the Lord, you know, some people said, you know, when you come to the Lord, it'll be the end of all your problems. You no, know, the truth is you may have more <laughs> because you're, because you're walking upstream from the rest of the world, and your lifestyle has taken a dynamic change, 180 degrees. Instead of walking into sin, you're walking away from it, and you're challenging all of the thoughts, all of the ideals, all of the behaviors that you allowed in your life before you knew the Lord. And, and, and then your friends uh, will wonder who in the world you are. I know mine did. And so, you know, again, Jesus through the, to the church in Philadelphia encourages us he encourages us to remain faithful uh, and to endure even when we're persecuted. And if we do, then you know what? We'll be with those who experience the rapture of the church. We will not experience the wrath of God. We have grand things ahead of us. I mean, the, 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 the few things that we endure now are not to be compared. Paul told the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 4 are not to be compared with the glory that is in our future so uh, look up look up don't care what you're facing how tough life may be god is always good he always has his eyes on us and he's given us an ability regardless of of what the culture around us is doing he's given us an ability to remain faithful to him so father i just pray for me and all of us as we uh, I hear the word about these seven churches that, Lord, we also would endure, remain faithful, be aware that your eyes always on us, even in those dry seasons. Lord, thank you that you're drawing us to yourself. You're tempering us, preparing us for grand things in the future, opening doors of ministry that nobody else can. And Lord, thank you that, that you have given us an ability to endure, to remain faithful even, even when people don't understand, people vilify us, marginalize us, set us aside. Thank you that we're yours. And because we're yours, you'll take care of us through thick and thin. Lord, I pray for every person listening to this, every person that's here in the room, that the Spirit of God would work in a fresh way and work deeply in us. And may every one of us stand before Jesus one day and hear the words, Well done. Good and faithful servant. You may be. You may be watching tonight. Uh, we are having the service here at our church, but you may be watching tonight, and and you say, Pastor, I, I just happened to. I just happened to see this. Listen, listen to me. Are you saved? Are you trusting your works to get you to heaven the way most of the world is? The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, judgment. You know what? You don't have to. Die wondering whether or not you're saved. You can know that you are. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, Romans 10, 9 and 10, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. For with the heart we believe, and that gives us right standing with God, forgiveness of sin. And with our mouth confession is is made unto salvation. I want to encourage you right now. Pray with me. Close your eyes right now where you are. You're watching this video but the convictions come on you while I've been speaking. And, uh, and, and it's obvious perhaps that there are people that know you that have been praying for you. Friend, is your name in the book of life? When you die, will that name remain only if you, you repent of your sin and ask Jesus to come into your life? Pray with me. Pray with me right now. Bow your head. Pray with me right now. This is the, you, know, you, you, you can give your will to God right now. Pray with me out loud, Heavenly Father. And I pray it just like the Heavenly Father. Say it out loud, Heavenly Father. I, I, I've sinned, and I ask you to forgive me. That's right, repeat it. I ask you to forgive me for every sin that I have committed from the time I was born until today. Every sin in thought, in word, in action, and in motive. Forgive me. Jesus, come into my life. Cleanse my sin. Make me right with you. I accept you as my Savior from sin. Help me walk with you and live for you, beginning today for the rest of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me in Jesus' name. (laughs) If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. You know, uh, your name's in that book in heaven called the book of life. When you die, it won't be blotted out if you'll walk with God, walk with Jesus. Look, uh, let us know if you prayed that prayer Uh, You can email us at info at com on our website. Uh, You perhaps found us there on our website. We have lots of aids, tools that can bless you and that can help you. I write a blog most days. You can go to the blog section of our, our website. You can go to our sermon section of our website. Let me encourage you, read your Bible every day. If you've not done that, start with the book of John. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'll make sure you get one, Okay. And find a local church. If you're in the Raleigh area, we have a great church here at Victory Church. We'd love to have you here. Uh, The address is there on the website. If you're in another city, find a a church that preaches the Bible and allows the Holy Spirit to manifest. You know what? If you'll go there and get involved, you'll grow spiritually, and uh, and life will never, ever be the same for you. Get into the Word. Get into God. Get into prayer. Prayer is just crying out to God for help. And just talk to Him about your needs. Pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, and just talk to him. And, and you know what? God will become real to you. Your life will undergo transformation. Thank you again for praying with me. God bless you. We're going to have a, to have a great time this week, and I expect God's blessings to be on you. God bless you.